Thank you for listening to the Mutual Audio Network. Please don't turn that dial. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Hi, this is Christy Glick. I'm one of the members of the Narada Radio Company, and I play Betty Jo Hickam, a.k.a. Susan Underhill, and Jake Dimes' Range Detective. Today we present Chapter 8 of our saga, entitled Bloody Business. But before we get to that, Pete has asked me to tell you a little bit about what you can expect from 63 Audio and the Narada folks. Please stick around after this chapter to hear all about it. And now, here's Jake Dimes. Sixty-three Audio presents Jake Dimes, Range Detective, a tale of the Old West by Pete Lutz, starring the Narada Radio Company. Tonight, Chapter 8, Bloody Business. Our story so far, Jake Dimes has apparently joined up with a very gang of robbers he's been trying to bring to ground. He'll be riding with them later today to help divest the Debardee Ranch of yet another payday. Is this some sort of ruse the detective has cooked up, or has he really turned crook? As we take up our tale again, we turn our attention away from Jake Dimes, known by Jake Dawson by most of the folks in these parts, and look to his roly-poly sidekick, Briar Buck if you recall, was ambushed a few chapters ago by two of the owl hoots in the payroll robbing gang. He's still in his sickbed at Doc Burnside's office in the town of Prickly Pear, Arizona, with his faithful nurse, Molly Sutcliffe, by his side. Buck has been unconscious ever since being found by Slim Sutcliffe, the owner of the D-Bardee, and on this bright, sunny morning, Molly notices Buck's eyelids fluttering for the first time in days. Good morning, Cookie. Molly. Molly. Is that you? What are you doing in my bedroom? Is it time to get up for school? You're a little confused, dear. Your school days were over a long time ago. How do you feel? Oh, my arm hurts. My head feels like a bull sat on it. How do I look? About the same as you feel. <laughs> I think you're going to be just fine, Mr. Buck. Oh, good morning. Look who's awake. Mr. Buck, I'm Dr. Burnside. How are you feeling? Why is everybody calling me Mr. Buck? There ain't no Mr. to it. 
I'm just Buck. Briar Buck. I think he's feeling fine, Doctor. Buck, do you feel like trying to stand up? Why, sure. I got things to do, and I'm hungry as a bear. Do you know what day it is, Mr. Uh, Buck? Sure. It's... It's... Tuesday morning? It's Thursday morning. Thursday? Molly, is this hombre loco? It's Thursday, Buck, dear. You've been unconscious for three days since you were found out in the desert and brought here. Thursday? No wonder I'm so dad-blamed hungry. Wait, I... I think I'm starting to remember. I, I, I was on that buckboard and two hombres was chasing me. I got winged by a bullet and, and then whomped on the noggin. Boy, wait till I catch up with them owl hoots out. Did you see their faces, Buck? Oh, no. They was wearing bandanas over their faces. Hey, I just thought, did my old horse Stooge make it okay? Yes, he found his way back to the ranch and was spotted by one of our patrol riders. Whew, that's a relief. Sure would be hard to part with that old feller. Him and me's been together since he was just a colt. <laughs> Good old Stooge. He always was a smartin'. Well, why don't we see if you can get up and walk around a bit, and then we can go see him. All righty. Nope. No, I can do this myself. Uh, hmm. <clears throat> there. Whoa. See? Ah, uh, whoops. Buck, dear, are you all right? Sure, sure. I guess I just need another minute or so. Okay, I'm ready now. Up, up, boy. Ha, look at me. <laughs> now let's go get some grub. Getting hungry? We'll go in and get me some vittles. Chow sounds good right about now. Yeah, that's for sure. Who's that out there? Who the hell do you think it is? Don't shoot, Dawson. It's Hickam. I'm here with Joe and Brax. I'm gonna whip him like a government mule. Come on ahead, boys. Just making sure. Time to go already? Yep. It's one o'clock. We got time to go over the plan one more time? Just want to make sure, huh? Okay. Here's how I want it to go down. When we get to the spot ahead of the payroll riders, we'll hide out behind some outcroppings of rock until we see him approaching. Then two of us... Hickam and me. Right. Me and Brax will ride in from either side to stop him. Just two of us at the outset. That'll fool them into thinking they could take us. But then you and Joe ride up behind them and that'll plumb fix them for sure. That way we got two guns to cover and two hombres to tie them up. 
Sorry. Sounds like a right good plan, Hickam. But we ain't gonna hurt these riders none, are we? Nah, not unless they force our hand. So far, we ain't had a single ombre kilt. Well, that's good. I don't mind the stealing none, but but I ain't a mind to put a slug into a feller who ain't done me no harm. <laughs> Are you some kind of panty waste, Dawson? I never heard of such a thing. Laugh all you want, Joe. <laughs> I am. Easy, Joe. Jake's got a good point. Say we get caught, huh? There's a kind of sentence for robbery and a kind of sentence for murder. No need to kill nobody. Less, like I said, they force our hand and we gotta defend ourselves. Well, I ain't of a mind to get caught. Alrighty then. How far away is that point where we meet the riders? Oh, that's right. Betty Jo blindfolded you on the way here, didn't she? Well, it ain't too far, once I take the blindfold off again. What? Hickam, you ain't gonna blindfold me a second time. The hell he ain't. Yeah, that's for sure. We can't trust this ombre yet, Hickam. Well, now, I ain't so sure. Hold up a mind, fellers. Dawson, why won't you stand for the blindfold? I already went through my initiation, Hickam. Remember that log shed up along the top of the rolling inn? Well, I reckon you got a point. All right, no blindfold. You're a full-fledged member of the gang. Well, now that suits me. Are we ready to ride? I sure am. Let's saddle up, hombres. You ain't gotta treat me like a newborn baby, Molly. I'm perfectly capable of walking on my own and getting up in that there wagon. All right, Buck dear. I'll let you do it yourself. What's that? Somebody's likely in trouble. We need to go see. Are you certain, Buck? I mean... What did I just say, Molly? You must be the one they invented the word for. What word is that, Buck? Molly Coddle. Come on. Let's go see what all the commotion is. Why, Mr. Lemon, the banker, what's wrong? Oh, how do we suck if one of our tellers has just been found unconscious behind the livery stable, and he seems to have been hurt badly. Did you see Doc Burnside? I, I sent a boy for him. One of your tellers? Oh, no. Mr. Lemon, was today the payroll day for my son's ranch? Yes, it was, Mrs. Suckbiff, but what does that have to do with... Which one of your tellers was responsible for handing off the payroll to the riders? The injured man, Grover Nathan. But what are you driving at? I don't... Buck, what do you think of all this? Well, Molly, right over the top of my head, it looks like these payroll robberies had an inside man. Is your teller still alive, mister? Yes, but... Here comes the doc. Let's hope he can keep this feller alive long enough to tell us what's what. Now, Molly... Let's head back to the wagon and get riding. I got a few things to tell you on the way. Mr. Lemon, tell the sheriff about this and tell him to follow after us as soon as he can.
almost home. Once we get past that outcrop of rocks, it's smooth sailing. Well, I wouldn't be so sure. I won't call it smooth until we're riding in through the stable gate. Well, I don't know. I think he's right. Things are pretty quiet, and there ain't no reason to think otherwise. I... Don't talk too soon, amigo. Riders coming. Two of them. Get your guns out. Get up. Come on now. Come on. Get up. Let's get go now. Let's get out of here. So that's the whole story, Molly. What do you think? So you mean to tell me that you're not my son's new cook anymore? Nope. Sorry. That was just a dodge so as I could look around and help my pal Jake find out who these varmints was. And it looks like I found them. Or I should say, they found me a few days back. And I didn't get a chance to tell Jake. I can't even say for sure how much he knows, or even if he ever heard tell about my ambush. I think he knows, dear. Dr. Burnside told me that a man named Jake stopped in on the first day and told him that he'd be coming back regularly to see how you were faring. But the doctor didn't see him again after that, and neither did I. Consorn it. I wished I knowed what that means. I got a note from Jake that same day in town, from the sheriff, and read it just afore them alhoots bushwhacked me. But all it said was, there weren't nothing to report, and he wished he was eating my stew and biscuits. Consarn it all. I think this is the sheriff coming up on us. I think you're right, Molly. We'll let him catch up. Whoa there. Whoa, fella. Howdy, Bert. Uh, hey, Buck. Uh, Mrs. Suckcliffe, ma'am. How do you do, Sheriff Conroy? How's Mr. Nathan, the bank teller? That man's in pretty bad shape, ma'am. Doc says it looks like he got trampled by a horse. A ribs broke, skull fractured, broken leg, and a few other injuries. Tough to say if he'll survive. Oh, uh, <clears throat> uh, pardon me, ma'am. Oh, don't mind that, Sheriff. I've heard worse and seen men hurt by horses before. <sighs> that poor fella. Bert, was there any witnesses? Nope. A at least uh, none stepping up claiming to be. Why was that teller away from the bank during work hours? Did you find that out? Uh, not yet. A time for that later, but uh, Mr. Lemon, the banker, did say he overheard you uh, saying you thought the payroll robbers had an inside man. Lemon didn't like that idea too good. Was you serious about that, Buck? Why not? Sutcliffe told Jake and me that he kept changing the days of the payroll deliveries. It stands to reason that if and the robberies kept happening, the bushwhackers had to have a man on the inside, and that'd be at the town bank. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that makes sense. You reckon he was trying to run off and that's why he was away from the bank? Could be. Did you know this Nathan feller, Bert? A few years, a quiet sort of feller, uh, kept to himself, lived alone, ate alone at the saloon, drank milk. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, up until a, a few months ago, uh, we all figured him as a confirmed bachelor. What happened a few months ago, Sheriff? Well, this red-headed gal came into town named uh, uh, Susan Underhill. Purdy as an April morning and sweet-natured as anything. Well, Grover, um, uh, uh, Mr. Nathan, uh, fell for Miss Underhill like a knot of pine. Before you know it, all the ladies in town was uh, John about a wedding. Uh-huh. Well, Sheriff, when you get back to town, be sure to look up Miss Susan Underhill and see if and she's still living there. Buck, do you think... I can't say for sure, Molly, but the timing's mighty suspicious, and I gotta toss my hat somewheres. Well, let's all get a move on again. Ha! Giddy up! a mile and a half from the ranch. Sheriff, can you see anything up ahead? Oh, uh, not, not much, ma'am. There's an outcropping of rock straddling the trail up ahead. And I I think I see it. No, it's just a shadow. Uh, no. It's something more. Uh, Buck, can, can you see it? Okay, now. Looks like a couple of bodies on the trail. Kid'll get there any faster. Ha! Whoa! Whoa there! Hold up, huh? Stay in the wagon, Molly. Sheriff, does he look like four men to you? Sure does, Buck. Well, I reckon we'd better take a closer look. Sheriff, these two fellers on this side of the trail is from the D-Bar D. They've both been shot. Looks like a single shot each. Straight through the heart. Here's another from the D-Bar D, Buck. Same story, dang it. Hey, look, uh, that last hombre is a-moving. He's still alive. Whoop, let's take a look. Who is he? Dunno. His hat's covering his face. He's the only one of the four holding a gun. There's a saddlebag under him, too. The pouches look full. Something about that revolver looks mighty familiar. What'd you say, Buck? Nothing, Bert. Here, I'll lift his hat. You got him covered? Yeah. Go ahead. No. It couldn't be. Just what in the hell are you playing at, Jake Dimes? The 
two men stare down in disbelief at the unconscious figure of their friend. Are things as they seem? Did Jake kill those three riders from the D-Bar D? What has become of the other gang members? Why did they seemingly leave the payroll behind? To find out what happens next, tune into Chapter 9 of Jake Dimes, Range Detective, coming soon. Chapter 8, Bloody Business, was written, produced, and directed by Pete Lutz and starred Dana Gonzalez as Jake Dimes, Tommy Gregg as Hickam, Nora Estela Gutierrez as Molly Sutcliffe, Austin Beach as Briar Buck, Mark Bruzzi as Doc Burnside, Jeff Niles as Sheriff Conroy, Russell Gold as Mr. Lemon, Mark Kalita as Joe, and Lothar Tuppen as Brax, with additional voices by Pete Lutz. Your announcer was Darren Rockhold. Introductory announcement by Glenn Higby. The Jake Dimes theme was composed by Pete Lutz and arranged by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Tune in again next time when you'll hear Betty Joe and Sheriff Conroy say... Sh Sheriff Conroy? Yes, miss. It's, um, uh, Miss, um, Underhill, yes? That, that's right. Susan Underhill. Do you have a little time right now, Sheriff? Of course. Uh, wouldn't you like to step in? No, no, I mean, he's in there, isn't he? Jake, uh, Dawson, uh, yes, um, he's behind bars, um, uh, so there's a... Um, oh, I just couldn't. Can't we... Can't I tell you out here? Well, it's uh, kind of unusual, but... Uh... This has been a 63 Audio production. gang, Christy again. Thanks for sticking around. Here's some news on upcoming releases. To begin with, we're proud to announce that Jack Ward, a friend of the show who makes an occasional appearance in our productions, is bringing back his annual Sonic Summerstock Playhouse in July. And for the fourth year running, 63 Audio is participating in this long-running series of recreations of old-time radio classics. This year, however, we're very ambitious with four entries in the series. Our first contribution will be a recording of our live performance in March of this year, an exciting episode of the new adventures of Nero Wolf called Stamped for Murder. After that comes the NBC radio adaptation of Joseph Kesselring's hit play, Arsenic and Old Lace, which was recorded in September 2017 on the stage of Harbor Playhouse in Corpus Christi, Texas, using the same cast as the stage play that Pete directed last year. That one will be followed by a thrilling episode of Escape, titled The Adaptive Ultimate, the cast of which is made up of members of the all-new Empire Audio Network, a collection of independent audio drama producers, voice actors, and musicians working together to promote this art form and make it available to more listeners. The Empire Audio Network is made up of 63 Audio, Audio Oblivious Productions, Boyd Barrett Productions, Darker Projects, Electric Vicuna Productions, Evil Kitten Productions, and Just Press Playhouse. And our final offering is a remake of one of Pete's favorite old-time radio shows, Lights Out, called Rocket from Manhattan. 
Pete's revisioned the original story and made it with an all-female cast, and it works so well this way, we think you'll agree. In between these releases from the Sonic Society will come the final four chapters of Jake Dimes, a short audio play by the brilliant Fiona Thrale, produced by Pete for the Audio Drama Production Podcast, and entitled Bone in the Blue. And close on the heels of that will come Pete's guest-producing gig for Mark Slade's Blood Noir series, a story called Olivia, which will feature a few Narada players as well. That's the news for now. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for all of these exciting releases. Bye for now. Hey, that's my Barbell doll, Tiffy. What are you doing to it? It's not your Barbell doll, Sally. Why would I want to play with your regular old sissy Barbell? I've got my very own special Barbell. Oh, wow. She sure does look special. Why is she wearing torn up khaki pants, tall boots, and a ripped flannel shirt? Because my Barbell is the all new post apocalyptic Barbell. <gasps> is she battling the zombie invasion? She sure is. Just look at that lifelike bandolier and the scale replica of a real M1 rifle. Wow. Yeah, and over here's the official post-apocalyptic Barbell playset. Just look at these awesome zombie action figures. Touch that one's face. Ew, it feels so real. Ah, his eye popped out. I know. Don't you just love it? It's awesome. I'm going to run home and ask my mommy if I can have the post-apocalyptic Barbell too. Sally, I heard you got your very own post-apocalyptic Barbell doll. Hi, Tiffy. I sure did. And look, here come Barbell's boyfriend, Living Dead Kenny, and her little sister, Zombie Skipler. Grr. So awesome, Sally. With our own post-apocalyptic Barbell playset and all these accessories, I know we'll be ready when the last days come. Well, I sure hope they come in our lifetime, Tiffy. <laughs> post-apocalyptic Barbell comes with zombie hunter wardrobe and weaponry. Post-apocalyptic Barbell playset sold separately and comes with three zombie action figures. Living Dead Kenny and Zombie Skipler sold separately. Batteries not included. Now available from Has Been Toys. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together. <laughs>